Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Nightmares Podcast. I'm Brandon, behind the tech booth, with Colin, our sound guy, and also with me are... Mark. And... Zach. All right. Uh, today we're actually going to be talking about acting performances in horror movies, more, more notably our favorites. Um, there's really no rules for this, it's just, is there an acting performance that you particularly like? Um, Mark, any insights as to what an actor does <laughs> and how difficult it is? Why are you asking him? He doesn't know shit about acting. Fuck off. <laughs> oh my, the, uh, it's actually, it's incredible, it's a, it's an incredible amount of time, work, and dedication to actually do, you know, figure out acting. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is, especially in film, and some people like this, some people don't. Um, a lot of athletes compare it to having, you know, having the ball in the in the you know last two seconds of the game when the director says action, fucking forty people are waiting on you to do something, they um, or waiting on your scene partner to do something. So there's a tremendous amount of prep work, you know, uh, skill. You have to work at the craft. It's it's incredibly difficult. It's a lot more difficult than a lot of people realize. Um, uh, you know, anybody can get, you know, any stupid person can get in front of a camera and. You know, and pretend to read lines. You know, but Mark. I thought you'd just go in front of a camera and just do it. The uh, the no shallow the buff. Um, uh, the uh, but the uh, there's a lot of a lot of craft, a lot of preparation that goes into it, a lot of work. The um, and and yeah, it can be very very difficult. There's no, it's not really that glamorous. A lot of people think it's this glamorous thing, but it's it's really good. It's really difficult to be okay. And you know, and then it's even more difficult to be good. And then it takes a lot of different things to come together to be great. Um, it has to be a lot of different elements of a great script. I will say this though: the better the script, the easier my job is. Um, uh, the but that being said, it is not an easy task to do. You have to have an amazing team around you. You have to have a great script and a great you know directing team and you know and crew and all that great stuff. But but yeah, from a performance standpoint, it takes years of, of being bad at it and making mistakes and doing other shit things. I mean, you know, it, it's it's a lot of, it can be a lot of pressure and either people rise to that pressure or they don't. And real quick before we really get into our topic, uh, what separates a good performance from a bad one to you? To me? Um, I would say... It, Total commitment to the you know uh, to what you're doing. I mean you know, are you committing a hundred percent to the world that is designed around you? And and there's and, and there's some varying degrees of that. And sometimes that's just bad writing. Um, and the actors are doing the best they can to piece it together and try to you know piece a falling house together at the, at the you know in real time. But I think that the biggest distinction between good acting and bad acting is being committed with a committed to the story 100% um, and committing to your character 100% and being in there um, uh, in the world that the writer has given you 100% but and when I mean 100% I don't mean you know like I'm gonna give it everything I got blah 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 no 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 like being 100% in the world not in your world in the world that the writer's created I would say it's pretty similar to what I would say like I would describe it as is that actor still in character when they're not the one talking? That's a really good point. Um, really good one. Watch a lot of student films, and you'll probably understand what I mean. Um, um, back when I was in, when I was in theater, even when I was a background person, they literally said, um, on average, every single performer on stage has at least seven eyeballs on you at any given time. It's it's really easy to just you just do the math. You take the the cast that's on stage, divide it by the audience, and you'll know how many times that you have eyeballs on you. So even if you are not speaking, know that you need to be completely immersed in what's going on at any given time. All right. So that um, this is kind of a difficult topic for me because like I when you really look at it, horror has a lot of great performances and a lot of great underappreciated performances as well so it's like and for me this isn't really something where it's like i'm going to rank this as this is my favorite and my second favorite and my third favorite i i don't really do that a, a, a lot um for me it's like do i like something or don't i like something um 
especially when it's a topic this big. Um, so I kind of wanted to at least highlight a couple underappreciated performances. Um, we have had a lot of like really great performances lately from like Lupita Nyong'o and Us or Elizabeth Moss and The Invisible Man that a lot of people, including myself, thought should have been nominated for Oscars. But since, you know, the Oscars are kind of biased against horror, there's no way that was going to happen. But those performances have been talked about quite a lot lately. So I, I kind of wanted to steer clear of stuff that's been talked about a lot lately. And we do, of course, also have some performances that have a nine for Oscars as well, like Jason Miller in The Exorcist, Frederick March in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, who actually won Best Actor for that. So I wanted to steer clear of stuff that was actually nominated. Uh, Janet Lee in Psycho is another one. Which, speaking of Psycho, that's probably a good segue into the first one I chose, and that is Anthony Perkins, not in Psycho, but in Psycho 2. Mm. Uh, which takes place little more than 20 years after the original when he is released from the mental institution. And Psycho 2, for the most part, is about this man who has this past that everybody knows, just trying to get his life back on track. And weird things start happening that make him doubt his own mind uh, makes those around him start to doubt him and it's just a really in-depth performance and a really in-depth look at a character that because it follows the great alfred hitchcock movie i feel like a lot of people just already wrote off psycho 2 before even seeing it when in fact psycho 2 it's not that standard sequel of you're going to get the same movie over again. It's this isn't like it's a horror movie, but it's not the same type of horror movie that the original was. This one is like a man just trying to hold on to what little to what sanity he was able to regain in the 20 years in between the movies and is now losing it again. Mm. Um, in fact, there's um, not to go into too much spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but there's a relative to a character from a previous movie who's basically messing with him and it's just the way he reacts and everything it's just so it, it really does make you think where it's like when you you are trying to get your life back together and there are people just trying to tear you down too it, it like it's a movie that makes me think if there weren't these people who are trying to make him stay the person that he was 20 years like if he was like if he moved to like five states over would norman bates's life have been better after psycho 2 we don't know but the, the way it's put together makes me think about those questions hmm. um so it's kind of goes back to that nature versus nurture thing in a way and then of course we go into psycho 3 which is <laughs> It's, Not that good. It's, it, it's, it's there. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's there. Psycho 3 is a movie, but no. Psycho 2, in fact, he, Tarantino has even said he likes Psycho 2 more than the original. And when I think about the performance no, that Tarantino's Perkins... Tarantino's never wrong. <laughs> Sorry. But it's, when, when you do think about the performance, and Tarantino does have a few movies, he likes Green Lantern. Um, but when you do look at the performance that Perkins gives in Psycho 2... It's kind of hard not to say Psycho 2 may actually be the best of them. Like, it, it holds up against the first one a lot better than people from back when it first came out would say. Because, of course, the original is a classic for a reason. But that doesn't mean, oh, it's a sequel. It's automatically not going to be as good. No, I think Psycho 2 is just right up there with Psycho. And a lot of it is because of how much attention to detail Perkins gives the character in this mm. one. It's funny. I, 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 for, I didn't know there are Psycho sequels. Yeah. There's four of them, if I remember correctly. There are Psycho, Psycho 2, Psycho 3, Psycho 4, The Beginning, which was a made-for-TV movie. Mm. Um, and that's it for the Perkins movies. Then there was a wow. failed pilot called Bates Motel, which was kind of going to kind of be like only... a... Hitchcock one though, yeah. 
Didn't Bates Motel last for a few seasons? Well, this is before that one. Like there was oh, an- there was okay. another failed pilot that was also called Bates Motel, but that was oh, going to be like mm-hmm. every week. Norm Bates has a different guest. Um, but then a few years ago, there was like the actual like dramatic TV show with Vera Farmiga and Freddie Highmore. Yeah. Um, called Bates Motel, which that one actually got better as it went along. I was surprised at how much I liked that one. Um, but yeah, uh, Norman Bates is a much more in-depth character than people realize, and I credit a lot of that to Perkins' performance in Psycho 2. And then the other performances I want to highlight just real quick before we move on to you guys. Um, Mark, you look like you, you want to guess what it is. I do. Uh, you want to guess what it is? <laughs> no. Because you're going to be wrong. I, I probably am going to be wrong. I want to know what it is. They, I, uh, I want to know how wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like, Atkins. I'll put it this way. I'll put it, I'll put it this way. I'll be shocked if you've even heard of the movie I'm going to be talking about. Probably not. I was feeling Atkins on, on the way. The, um, uh, no. They, uh, that's, that is surprising. He's my, creamed over Tom Atkins enough. We, my, we, my we already reason, know. I've talked about how good Tom Atkins is in Night of the Creeps. A lot. Like, if we were to go, like, what are my all-time favorite? Like, if, like on these podcasts, like, if we really were just go, what are, like, top one to three picks in each of these categories, would really only be talking about the same five movies over and over again. Fair enough, fair enough. And, and there are other great movies beyond our, our top three. So I know. That, that's why I don't rank these things. I think it's just some... I think that, just, that movie is... is, is his performance is is really underrated in the mainstream yeah. uh, just because it is such a a lot of people on the surface it doesn't seem that complex but it is it complex. really is a very complex performance the um uh, it's a guy who has major regret in his life um and it's how he deals with it and yeah. you know and how, what happens at the end so it's a performance worth mentioning you know at least briefly here Thank you for bringing it up and not making me the only person. To oh no, 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 dude! I, I was beyond like the um, uh, I. The, that's one of the few movies when somebody has has a lot of times in life when people pull you aside and they hype up a fucking movie and they're like, "You need to see this movie. It's fucking amazing." And you go, "Okay, all right." And then you see it and you're like, "Yeah, that's pretty good," but it, like it wasn't the 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 Christ re, you know re, you know coming. It's not the greatest thing since chopped bread. But uh, you know, uh, but that being said, I was uh, so so impressed about a movie that had amazing performances, a mixture of genres to say the least, and a very very complex character who was highly entertaining to watch, but at the same time had a lot to say about about a guy who is who chose to take something horrible you know that happened to him in his life and do good um you know and and even though he's a bitter old alcoholic the um he truly does care about doing the right thing the um, yeah. you know even though he has made mistakes in his life and and some of those mistakes I don't even disagree with the um uh, you know I I think that you know it's it's an overall fantastic performance, and it's probably one of the most underrated horror performances, in my opinion. It is up there um, uh, that that has been around. So I mean, you know, we can sit here and talk about so many different ones. I'm just looking around this fucking room right now and thinking, um, and thinking about all the the acting performances that I can see right, in, you know, in my, you know, earshot and eye shot right now. But it, it is fantastic, and I'm glad I I was the one who said it, and you didn't have to say it. Yep, so am I. Um, so what I'm going for for this one, and I'm just going to be real brief on this one, and this is actually two performances in the same movie, mm. because this is a case of two actors just playing off of each other really well, and that's Stacey Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis in Road Games. Okay. Yeah, Road Games is basically about a serial killer who drives a truck, Stacey Keach plays a trucker who suspects this. Jamie Lee Curtis is a woman he meets on the road. And it's an Australian production, I believe. And for the most part, not a whole lot happens in this movie. And and stuff happens, but it's spaced out. But the performances between Keach and Curtis and the way those two play off of each other, you're never bored when those two are on screen together. And that was just a 
perfect example of trusting your two actors to bring us through the movie. Um, I believe Shout Factory put out a Blu-ray of it. Before that, I think it was kind of hard to find. Um, but I always knew it as one of the Jamie Lee Curtis horror movies of the 80s and the, the reason why she's a scream queen. But of course, we all know Halloween, Halloween 2, Prom Night, um, Terror Train to a lesser extent. But Road Games is the last of, um, well, not the last of, but it's Road Games is probably the one that's mentioned the least. But it's a really interesting movie and that is an actor's horror movie because mm. of those two. Okay. I haven't seen it, so I really have to see it. I have it. Maybe I'll show it to you one of these days. It'd be awesome. Maybe. He may not. You yeah, know. I don't know. Who knows? Um, and of course, as always, I have a ton of other performances on my notes here, but those were the two that I came out as that I really wanted to mention. Maybe I'll mention a few others as we go through the conversation, but I'll pass it over to you guys. Who wants to go next? Zick? I don't know. Do I want to go next, Mark? Yes, you do. Are you sure? Positive. Can't think of anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know what I'm banned through. In the, uh... Okay, let me stretch my back right now because, oh my God, this feels so good. Oh my God. <laughs> such a douche sometimes. <laughs> At least I don't dress like one, Mr. Cream Pants. I like my cream pants. Go I know you do, you fucking go. asshole. All right. Anyways, so... um. I'm going to start off with somebody who I doesn't think get nearly as much appreciation in the horror community or just in acting in general, and that's Kevin Peter All. Does anybody know who that is? I don't. No. Brandon? Uh, Come on. I'm looking up on IMDb. Oh, you fucking cheater. All right. Kevin Peter Hall is the guy who actually was in the Predator suit and did all the Predator-like movements and everything like that for the first two Predator movies. And the reason I choose him is because he really brought something special to the Predator. Because for the longest time, you know, like... He was also in Without Warning, which was kind of Predator before Predator. Thank you, good Batflix. He is also the helicopter pilot in the opening, or the opening or closing Closing. of of Predator. He's the guy who sees the nuke and goes, oh my god. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, I, I was... Rewatching the first two Predator movies, like he really brings something special to that character and just the creature in general that I, I just love. And I don't really feel like has been tapped into or just done since those two movies. I know there's people who think the second Predator movie is like just bad for some fucking reason. I don't. I think it's fucking awesome and still great. So yeah, Kevin Peter Hall, like shut the fuck up, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon's like, <laughs> he has no idea what he's talking about. Um, but, um, yeah, fucking Kevin Peter Hall in the Predator costume, absolutely great, underappreciated, magnificent dude. It's a shame he died when he did, because I would have loved to have seen him do more Predator 1991 movies. 1991 at 35 years old. It's it's truly a fucking shame that that happened. But at the very least, we got two movies that will last fucking forever, especially the first one. And he, yeah, will forever be always remembered and appreciated for that character. And may you rest in peace, man. Um, the next three are, well, pretty fucking obvious for me. Um, they are Robert England as Freddy, Doug Bradley as Pinhead, and... Hold on, you know, don't, don't... uh, No, 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 my fucking just brain just turned off and I'm just like, Kane Hodder as Jason, Jesus Christ. I thought that would have been the first one. Yeah, that that probably would have been the first one. So, but but hold on though, like the, um, I I know that those are basic, but there's something to be said about this. That's the the thing, it's like, because I never watch these movies for the characters that are in them. I watch these movies because of Robert England as Freddy. Doug Bradley is fucking uh, Pinhead. And my favorite Friday the 13th movies are fucking, uh, what's it called? The, the Kane, Yeah, thank you. Kane Hodder's. Like, my very first Friday the 13th movie was Part 7. That was Kane Hodder's introduction into as Jason. And if you compare his performance to all the other Jasons out there, it is a night and day difference. Just the brutality, the way Jason moves is just like... It's, he doesn't say a fucking word throughout the entire series, but you know it's Kane Hodder as Jason in Part Seven, Part Eight, Part Nine, and Ten. Yes, he is a he's a, a, a 
Well, let's talk about that real quick because I think those, all three of those performances are worthy of having a quick discussion about them because they are all fantastic. And Kane Hodder, Kane Hodder is one of the easiest ones to explain, but it's so important. Um, and you talk about like physical acting, like yes, and, and, and you talk about like mime work, um, uh, you know, which is actually very very important to that, and mask work. That's very. That's very, very classical and Renaissance acting to have that kind of physical, uh, you know, presence about him and how he moves. You know what? And, and the funny thing is that it, Kane Hodder is something. Somebody said something um, in a documentary one time about about this is that Kane Hodder always feels like he's, uh, you know, moves incredibly slow, but he always feels like he's right. He's just about to get you. The um and and somehow he's be able to 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 reach this magical level of movement that he has a a, a thing where you, he's moving so slow, but at the same time he's gonna get you. Exactly. Like in, which is almost two conflicting thoughts. Like you're moving slow, I can move faster than you, so I can run away from you. But he feels like a, a, a you know this you know it's like a hurricane. Yeah, it's a slow-moving force, but it's gonna get you eventually. It's unrelenting. And, and correct, and 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 when he brings his physicality to it, is you know, there's just something very raw, animalistic about it. It's it's very it, like I, it's shocking to me because I know a lot about Kane Hodder. Why Kane Hodder? Kane Hodder has theater training without ever being on the fucking stage because that's like a, a number one thing of theater is knowing the movement first and knowing the you know. What you you know that's why you work out blocking first you know your actual movement before you even memorize your fucking lines in theater. You need to know how you're moving, how you're gonna move in the space. And Kane Hodder is so good about just occupying all of the space and suffocating the oxygen out of the room and knowing that there is nowhere to run. And to have that kind of movement and that kind of ability is truly amazing. And it's. It's stuff that mimes and other things work years to try to fucking figure out. And they still don't fucking figure it out. So to have that kind of physical presence without saying a damn word is a true master of... It's a master class. It's a master class in acting movement the, um, that, that, that cannot be understated. Um, Robert England. Robert England is something to behold to know that character backwards and fucking forwards and to have a presence about him that is equally hilarious and terrifying at the same time. Later years, it got a little bit more He, he definitely silly. leans more into the comedy after, like, three and stuff. That's when it definitely goes into the more wacky and shit like that. But for the first, like, three, yeah, it's like... It, it's a, it, it's an, a, 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 an, an opposing with 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 movement and with language. You know, I think with, with Pinhead, it's far more language. And with Kane Hodder, it's far more movement. And then... Freddie balances that, that Pinhead, that, that. at least in the first two movies, does a good job of both, but it's definitely more his imposing voice and just character. And then, of course, the look. Well, yeah, I mean, the look, you know, you know, <laughs> I did this to me. Imagine what I'll do to you. The, um, I, but with Robert England, he, he just brings this cynicism and, you know, and start, it reminded me, it reminds me a lot of, like, Buffalo Bill when he, when she's screaming and he screams back at her. Like, that's some shit that Robert England would do to people. The, um, and fuck with people right before he's gonna kill them. Like, that is a, there's just something about his performance that he adds this extra touch that I don't think that anybody else could have done. And, and that and, was a point I was going to go into. What like, especially with Doug Bradley and Robert England, it's like you remove those actors from those characters, and it's just clearly not the same. And it's the the level of quality just it's not as good. And and just the the movement and everything else. And and one of the, the lines that I remember, you know, when she said, "Oh God," he said, "This is God." I don't think that anybody could have quite delivered that line the way that Robert England did. And 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 I just. And there's just something that I have a deep, deep respect for him. And actually, you know what the funny thing is? I've seen a lot of them. My favorite one still, performance-wise, is actually Freddy vs. Jason. Especially that open monologue, which I fucking love. It's great. Um, uh, and I think it's... It, it's You can actually see the um, the acting experiences have paid dividends over the years and then really know that character backwards and forwards and really have an imposing effect on them. And then obviously, um, you know, Pinhead, you know, just having the the mastery of language. He's like, uh, he's, it's very Shakespearean almost. Poetic. Poetic, Shakespearean, 
the um, uh, he's the Lawrence Olivier of fucking horror. Oh Jesus Christ! Like I mean, like that's I mean, it's really it's it's really the truth. Like I mean, he's just this imposing effect of 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 language and you know and and being able to converse with somebody. It's like it's almost like he's confusing them into terror. The um uh, and and there's just those trifectas of those performances are just are fantastic and those are tremendously acted well acted um, villains that are incredibly underrated the um uh, and and not respected as much as they should be among the acting community so that's Agreed. that's my little like beef i don't want you to just i don't want to just scroll past the oh, thing no. there as somebody is really only familiar with the first two hellraisers particularly the first one I don't really see Pinhead and the Cenobites as villains in that story. Well, t- okay, technically, no. They're just doing what they do. Yeah. Especially if since you're technically the one fucking with the box. Yeah. It's true. So it, it, it. So to me, it's like. It, but I mean, which, uh, not taking anything away from Doug Bradley's performance. Oh, it is yeah. a fantastic performance as Pinhead, uh, fantastically delivered in the body language and all that. It has always been interesting to me, just for somebody who's only been familiar with the first two movies, it's interesting to see, like, I've never seen him as, like, one of the slashers, because to me, he's not a slasher. Okay, well, he's a great character. I'm sure, according to you, he becomes that. I was going to say, like, once the third movie hits, it's just like, okay, this just went, like, Yeah, which I've only ever seen the third one once, and I don't really remember much of it, except I remember there was this one blonde actress who was particularly... She should not be mentioned in a favorite acting performances podcast. Fair enough. Let's put it that way. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's always been interesting to me just how Pinhead became what he is in pop culture when, based on the two movies that, which I, I'm going to guess you're in agreement that the first two movies are the, are the two best ones. Oh, absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt, um, the first two are the best. So it's just interesting how he kind of became one of like the villains next to Freddy and Jason and Michael and Leatherface when I never saw him in the Cenobites as that as those kinds of characters. Great characters for sure, but I've never seen them as that type of character. They're definitely more complex than just straight up just evil sadistic villains. I mean yeah. but then again it's like if that fucking box wasn't stopping them would they be out just roaming around doing what they do? That's another thing to take into question. Can we answer that? Exactly. I, I we'll never know. know. Well, but I there mean, is that box. Yeah, well, Unless there's... there is a movie that answers the question that I'm not aware of. Not a movie. It's a comic. Okay. And it's really amazing. If you haven't read the Hellraiser Boom comics, just good luck finding them. But if you can, read them. They are amazing. And yep. it's the best continuation of Hellraiser there I'm, is out there. I'm probably going to be a little controversial here, but... Okay, there, there, there's no denying that Nightmare on Elm Street remake is garbage. Yes. If you're about to say what's his name's performance was good, I will agree with you. Yeah. Um, he definitely gave it his Jackie best. Jackie Earl Haley. Yes. Under a better script and better director, I think would have been a fantastic Freddy Krueger. Oh, huge the remake. Yeah. Huge oh. reason because he wasn't trying to emulate Robert Englund. He tried to do his own performance, and it's just a shame that it was a crap script done by a director who I don't think should have been given the project. When it comes to that movie, like, I will not knock his performance. He gave yeah. a good performance. He did what he could with what he had. Yeah, so, but because the of only- that performance, I will never say nobody else could ever play Freddy. I will say nobody else could ever play Freddy the way Robert Englund pro- plays Freddy. True. But... Let's face it, he is getting up on in years. If we're going to get another Nightmare on Elm Street movie, there's going to be a time there's going to be a time when there's not going to be a Robert Englund to go back to. That's just a reality. Um, and if we want more Freddy movies, like I love Freddy. I want more Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I want them to be good, but I realize that it's like if we can't get Robert Englund back as Freddy, I still want a good Freddy performance, but I think if you want that, the actor just has to be afraid, just has to not be afraid to make the character their own and not try to copy what Robert Englund did. For me, I I can't see anybody other than Robert in that role. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to take what um, the, the other guy's performance away. He did give a good performance. The only person's performance I hated in that movie was Rooney Mara's because, well, 
with Freddy, you need to show... If you show no emotion, then he, he's effectively powerless against you. And my god, she didn't show a single emotion throughout that entire movie. Oh my god. Ow. Why? Meh. <laughs> it kind of It was like she was practicing for a ghost story, I swear to god. Anyways, um, but yeah. Just... And even with Pinhead again, it's like seeing two people, one of them clearly worse than the other, try to take that role and, and not be Doug Bradley. It's well, just so like... I know those Hellraiser movies where Doug Bradley wasn't in it. I know those were cash-ins just to hold on to rights. You know what? And that's the thing, too, is that Doug Bradley could still do it yeah. well into later age. I would say this. Each one of these actors have at least enough for them to do one more movie, yeah. and I would love to see that. But if they don't, then in my opinion, just... Because I, I, we recently saw Robert Englund be interviewed in the In Search of Darkness documentaries, and he's right. still got it. Um, yeah, he does. But there Absolutely. is that reality that there will come a day. No, I know where those actors aren't going to be here anymore, it's, and it's probably going to be sooner than later, sadly, and that's going to be a very sad day. And as a fan of these characters and these franchises, I do want to see them continued. I would just, you know, preferably like to have them be good. One would hope. One, yeah. one, one would hope. They, um, Green uh, motherfucker. They, uh, so, <laughs> how dare you want I'm, movies I'm to I'm kind be of quality. leaning in the realm of just inside on this. Like, once those actors are gone, at least for Freddy and, um, you know, Pinhead, unless they do the Hellraiser boob thing, which in that case, good, which, please. If I'm not mistaken, I think just, Nightmare on Elm Street, I think those rights are back with Wes Craven's estate now. So, oh, that's good. I, so if there was to be another Nightmare on Elm Street project going forward, I think it would be, if I'm not mistaken, I think it would be originating yeah. from them rather than some greedy studios like, let's just cash this in and put no effort into it. Yeah, so, well, one could hope. But yeah, like once those actors are gone, just retire the, just retire the franchises. They've left a great legacy behind. Like there's the perfect amount of Nightmare on Elm Street movies. All those movies are fucking great. Leave them as is. Just give us our 4K set like we all want. Please and thank you. Scream Factory, I'm looking at you. I would also not be against if we... Because, like, since we have gotten graphic novels of the original scripts of Alien and Alien 3 and Star Wars, I would not be against a graphic novel adapting Peter Jackson's original script for Freddy's Dead. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah. But that's off topic from why we're talking here today. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anything else, Zach? Nope. The, now uh, it's your turn, Boyo. I guess it is my turn. Dude, this is hard, man. And like, and I know for a fact that as soon as we're done with it, we're done with this, and I watch this again, I'm gonna be like, "Fuck, I forgot X, Y, and Z." That's how it always happens. I mean, but it it always happens that way. So I think what I what I've done is I've done uh, favorite hero, favorite villain, and then like most entertaining character. They could be any one of those. Um, I think like entertaining characters, you know, in, are in the realm of you know some of them can be villains, some of them can be heroes, some of them can be side characters. Um, you know, most entertaining, you know, Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, the, um, uh, it would be Beetlejuice, Randy from Scream, the, um, uh, you know, and also too, um, a, I think my favorite though for entertaining characters and just overall good characters was, uh, Tyler Lambine and, uh, Alan Tudyk for Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought that those, that those actors, and speaking of a pair so of, of actors that, that, so that just fun. do a phenomenal yeah. job. They um they're just so entertaining and just like good people like really just like overall genuinely wholesome. good wholesome good people that like are just like best friends and they just want to have a good time and these fucking teenagers keep dying all over the place and you know and, and that might be one of the best movies about prejudice that I have ever seen. It really and is dramatic irony. Yeah, the um, uh, just so much irony, and 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 also too, that's the um the kid who plays that. That's a underrated um villain character for me. That acting for I don't know I don't know what the kid's name is, but the guy who plays the main villain, and yeah. I think is really really good. A little dramatic at some parts, but really really fucking good. Um, and then also um, did I say Beetlejuice? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. I want to make sure because because Michael Keaton is fucking Beetlejuice has been with me since I was fucking ten. 
They, um, uh, the, uh, <laughs> Brandon, say it one more time. Say it one more time. <laughs> I will not. He's been sir. trying to get us to do that all day. The, um, uh, um, uh, the, uh, but no, it, it just, everything about it, and I watch that movie at least once a year, um, uh, and it's still so damn funny. They go, you're working with a professional here. Boom. <laughs> nice fucking model. The, um, uh, and he's, uh, and it's uh, like, that's like Anthony Hopkins in Sense of Lambs. He's only in the movie just the, just a little bit, and then, but it, it, it's just so fucking fun. But I think that's a tie for that. And but, um, yeah, this is a tie for that. Uh, but I think um, with when it comes to villains, we already talked about all the the classics. Um, I think Linda uh, Linda Blair's um, physical performance in The Exorcist was phenomenal. Obviously, she didn't voice voice the actual character because it would be a little awkward, you know, having an eight year old say, you know, your mother sucks dicks in hell. Um, uh, you know, those cocks. They were cocks in hell, whatever. The uh, cock sticks, whatever. Or stabbing yourself in the vagina while saying "fuck me." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, so again, that movie is a comedy, not a horror movie. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. It, that shit was hysterical. It's a well, good... the director is a drama. The, uh, yeah, well, I, I think the... <laughs> fuck if we know. Well, no shit. The, Nobody's um... gonna agree. But Nobody's hey, gonna hey, agree if, with if, him. If, if you want to call it a horror movie and pay for it, then it's a horror movie. <laughs> Look, I'm calling it a comedy and paying for it. So there you go, buddy. No debate on whether or not it's a good movie. Just what genre it is exactly um, I, the um but um that's that's one of them with with villain performances and then also anthony hopkins and silence of the lambs thriller or whatever i don't want to get into that um obviously jack nicholson and the shining is is up there i cannot not talk about um that um there's and there's many others that I'm, i know i'm gonna forget because there's a lot of phenomenal villains out there um oh Roger Jackson's voice for Ghostface is phenomenal. Um, I think people have a lot of disagreements about, you know, their opinions on the screen, but Roger Jackson's fucking voice performance in that is tremendous. Um, it adds a level of sinisterness that um, uh, that a lot of people didn't really expect. But I think that the one that really um, got to me is a movie I saw recently, and I still keep going over and over and over again is Jeffrey Combs in Reanimator. Um, and the reason I keep coming over that it is actually on my list of notes as well. Um, and the reason why I keep going over that for, for the villain side of things is because it's such a, like, I keep going back and forth about whether or not he's a villain. He's a, you know, misjudged guy. He's this, he's that he's eccentric. He's obsessed. Like it's such a gray thing. And I had such a conflict and I'm still having a conflict about whether or not you know, he's the is he the villain of the story? Is he the hero of the story? Is he neutral evil? You know, like what? Like like and and, and like that's and, and if if it stirs that many fucking emotions within me and that much of a conflict, then I have to give great credit to that phenomenal performance that he gave on it. He had some phenomenal lines, but he made a character and it was phenomenal writing for sure. You know, and that's kind of where. Great acting and great writing is when they when the lines are blurred. You know that's when it gets really interesting, and I didn't know how to feel about this guy. This guy, my feeling towards him changed every single time, and you know, you know, in one scene I would fucking hate him, and the next scene I would be like, I understand you, and the other scene I'm like, oh, I'm gl- I'm so glad he's here to back to to back up the other main characters. Like you know, it it, it just became a cavalcade of different emotions. And I really have to give credit, and it's an insanely underrated performance that I think deserves the award and accolations that it deserves. Um, That's a phenomenal performance. So um, I I did want to get into the heroes, and that's my last thing. For Dr. Herbert Herbert West from Reanimator, Jeffrey Combs' character, um, if I were to give him one of the Dungeons and Dragons alignments, (laughs) I'm kind of leaning towards chaotic good. Yeah. Or chaotic neutral. One of those two. I would lean more towards neutral. Yeah, because his motivations aren't evil. It's just his methods kind of are unconventional, let's call it. Well, that's a way of putting it. That certainly is a way to put it. They, um, uh, you know, yeah. But again, though, complicated, very complicated character. The, um, obviously I already talked about Tom Atkins, um, uh, who's a great hero. Um, there's a lot of other great, uh, great heroes. Um, Ripley's obviously up there for me. Um, uh, the, um, um, Reese, uh, um, Reese is a great one from Terminator. Um, another great hero. The, um, and I know there's going to be so many different heroes. Um, Don't forget Schwarzenegger in the first Terminator. 
Um, uh, just as I opposing, was thinking about putting him villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, hell cause, yeah. Because like he also has to like play a machine that is having trouble doing the thing that it's programmed to do, and it's just interesting to see because like his reactions aren't human; they're mechanical. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, like definitely do not take away Schwarzenegger's performance in the very first Terminator movie. He was fucking phenomenal in that movie and played the machine to a T. Like he never, you never see him get mad. Like he keeps the machine performance going the entire time. Like I've seen other movies where it's like this thing's not supposed to show emotion. You just sit, fucking shows emotion here, shows emotion there. Like it, it works for most of the movie, but you could see the character break. Schwarzenegger and Terminator, never, never could he, help that they hired a non-actor. Well, I mean, there's that, but you know, and actually, you know what he he based his performance on Yul Brenner from uh, Westworld, the original mm. movie. Mm. The um, that was his big thing because when he was talking to um, James Cameron, he said, "Whoever does this, James, you have to make sure that they act like a machine, that they put stuff together like a machine." He's like, "James, like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, it, what they have to do is that they're reassembling and assembling a gun. They have to do it blindfolded." The um, and and, and Ar- Arnold actually fucking learned how to reassemble a nine millimeter. Um, uh, Glock um, uh, blindfolded or literally staring straight ahead without looking down because that's exactly what a fucking machine would do. So, I mean, that just to have that level of thought process from an acting perspective, I wouldn't have thought of that shit. They, um, uh, just for him to, you know, but like... So he, what you're saying is Schwarzenegger's a better actor than you. I can say that 100%. Schwarzenegger put a better performance in that movie than I would have. That's what I'm saying. The, um, Mark uh, is just jealous that Schwarzenegger was a better actor than him. The uh, okay, <laughs> you're just biased. The um, yes, uh, I am. You could never play Mr. Freeze. Uh, no, I could not, <laughs> and I'm glad I don't. Um, uh, what, the, you gotta, what, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that wasn't a good performance? Yes. The um, great, <laughs> shit, I'd like to see you do a better job. Uh, I don't want to. Um, uh, but that being said, um, there's a lot of other phenomenal heroes um, within that. The performances across the board from the lead actress from the Final Girls, I know I bring it up, and I want to briefly bring it up. Um, if you can do a performance that tugs at the heartstrings of Zach, that's a whole other level of acting. The um, where Zach goes, oh, I feel something in the in the the pit of where my heart, whatever you know, whatever, whatever he feels something in that thing that pumps the, the he, black he's got sludge that, like, through his veins. Heart that Mr. Burns has. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. When 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 you can have that level of emotion in, in them, you know, in that kind of thing, and then also, uh, you know, her sister, her older sister, and the performance from The Conjuring is great. Those are all great hero performances. But when it comes to heroes in horror. There is nobody like Gee. like Bruce Campbell. Period. And a, a, for me, there, there just isn't. In which of the Evil Dead's? Because um, he gives kind of a different performance in each iteration of I, that I, franchise. He does, and and actually, it's an all evo- great. It, all great. It's but an, which one is your favorite? Um, it's probably more of um, the show. I, I think that I get. I better, agree. I think I get better performance in the show. I think he's his most entertaining in Army of Darkness because um, uh, he has the best fucking lines um, that I still use to this day. Um, buddy, you don't know jack shit. Jack left town. The um, uh, so uh, the it's actually the funny thing is is Bruce Campbell grows with Ash. Yeah. Um, as you go from the first movie to the second movie to the third movie, and, Bruce Campbell as a person grows as Ash as a character just kind of. <laughs> the uh yeah, yeah goes to hell the uh my but but that's you know that's the funny thing is that it um uh, it's it's really interesting to watch him grow as a character and really you know go for it and and i think bruce campbell is, as an actor playing that role is is crazy underrated um yeah. and i think that um there's just something about a guy who he's he really is he's a superhero ash is a superhero like he's a reluctant, a reluctant hero. The to have to deal with. He's a normal dude. He don't want to deal with this bullshit. But he's the only guy who can. And and the show really does call attention to just how much of a normal person he was before all that happened. And he, like you can tell his life where where it picks up at the beginning of Ash versus Evil Dead. You can tell his life his life is of a person who just couldn't move on from what 
happened and then that goes even deeper into the second season as well um correct so I, th- I thought that was a, an excellent way to portray the character 30 years after we last saw him um on the subject of bruce campbell i also want to mention his performance in bubba hotep people talk about it all the time and i still haven't seen that damn movie Vinny has, has talked to me about it dozens of times and says mark you need to see this fucking movie and it everybody says this is his best excellent acting performance. It's excellent. Yeah, it's um you forget that Bruce Campbell isn't really an old man in real life in Bubba Hotep. And it's just an excellent dramatic performance and an excellent comedic performance. And the way he plays off of Ossie Davis as well. Um, it's just an all around great movie. And, and here's the last thing I'll say is, and, and this is more to Zach's point he was talking about earlier, which was, you know, can't, you know, characters being, you know, replaced or replayed in, in other, you know, environments. Can, you know, can somebody make, you know, take these characters and then, you know, make them their own and everything else? I, I don't see anyone else playing um, Ash besides Bruce Campbell. Um, uh, and I, I can't imagine a world where, where that is even possible. The, um, I mean... You know, from some of you guys' comments about about Freddie, you know, being played by the other one, but them making the, their own, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't see anybody else playing this fucking role besides that, and I don't think, and, and I think all of us agree, pretty much agree I'm with that statement. Gonna guess there's a reason why there wasn't an Ash in the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, that was a smart move because I think that there would have been a fucking riot. Oh, the yeah. um, although technically Ash was in the remake. For one shot, yeah. After the credits, just like, oh, sweet, are we if getting a sequel? Get they, uh, if you do want to get, technical. I do love that remake, but yeah, the, um, but yeah, that's that's definitely of you know, it's a lot of different combinations of things, you know, great quality acting and just a general performance and, and fucking entertaining as hell, um, and also too is the just the best action, you know, just the best horror hero um, around, and 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 just an overall, you know unforgettable acting performance that I, is, is irreplaceable. So the um, uh, that's definitely up there for me. So those are my picks. You know, if we're going to talk about Bruce Campbell, you, you guys missed out on his best performance ever. Man with the Screaming Brain. Nope. Oh. Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, and all the video games. <laughs> the, the amazing human spider That sucks. <laughs> that sucks, kid. <laughs> The, oh my, the, uh, no one is allowed end of the, in the theater after the show starts. Helps maintain the illusion. <laughs> I told my, I told her I'd be here, but yeah, but you should, yeah, you shouldn't you be late. Her, wait, I told her I'd be here, but not, not late. to be late. <laughs> God. The, him and the guy who played the wrestler. <laughs> I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of playtime. And he's the tutorial guy in every Spider-Man video game, and it's fucking great. Oh uh, yeah, that, yeah, that is great. The, um, but and then you also got Octavia Spencer during the wrestling scene. Mm-hmm. She was the registration woman. Really briefly, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. The um, uh, but um, but yeah, those. She my was pick. also in an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. The, she uh, was a cashier. Good for her. Uh, well, at least she's consistent. Um, uh, Colin, the uh, what? Um, uh, did you have any anything? Yeah, that came I'll to just mind? be really quick. Um, I'm gonna go with Saw again. I'm gonna say Tobin Bell. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough of his work to say if he was actually acting out of his normal. I mean, I did see. I did go to see him at a con one time at at a, at a panel, but uh, just overall, like, just his his presence of just who he was, and just the way he talks and everything. Just is that's this. I would go. I think it's one of the reasons why they they kept making the movies too. And even though it, even though he like died after still, his character died, yeah, they still had him because he's just so fun to watch. Um, so as far as horror movies go, I just have to say, yeah, Tobin Bell. I could just yeah. Watch him um, he's been around for a while. Yeah, he was a waiter in Tootsie. Oh my uh, God, Jesus, Jesus! I know he was. Um, he was in Mississippi Burning. Uh-huh. What, was it, he was a parole officer in Goodfellas. Was it liar, liar that he was in? Uh, he was a uh, airplane. Um, Let's see. He was a- in an airline. episode of Seinfeld. I have not gotten to ninety-seven yet, Collins. So I will let you okay. know if that was him in Liar, Liar. I, um, I, I know he plays a passenger in an airline. I just forget which movie. I think it's. 
think it's liar liar. Not liar liar. The um, and and Colin actually I I I 100% agree um, uh, with you on on Tobin Bell. And actually the funny thing is Scream and, and Saul have something similar in that in that regard. And I used used to joke about this. And I'm now I'm gonna add Saul to this list. And, you know people used to say you know oh well, you can't do Scream without Wes Craven. And I, and I to a degree I I really agree. But it isn't the real linchpin. The real linchpin is Rod is Roger Jackson. Like mm. You can't do Scream without Roger Jackson. And the same thing with Saul. You can't do Saul without Tobin Bell. The um uh, and and and, that's, and once those guys pass away, then then the franchise truly dies because yeah. those those are the the driving force behind that. Mark, and, did you ever end up seeing Spiral? I, had, I did not. I did not. Because I believe Tobin Bell is not in that. Well, I know that that's. Technically, it's like a Saw spinoff, you know, type deal. It's not really a, um, I mean, it's, it's like I a spinoff. I he would have, they would have his voice or something. Maybe that's just for the trailers. I don't know. Ah, uh, maybe. Yeah. maybe. Again, I never actually saw it either. The, so, uh, I, I didn't, have the, didn't get the chance to go to the theater and watch it, but mm-hmm. I want to. As soon as it actually comes out and is available, I'll probably pick it up and watch it. I mean, Quiet yeah. Place 2 is the other one in theaters that I still need to see. That so one I did see. That one was good. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. The um, but yeah, you know, that's that's something interesting about those two guys is that those those guys are the linchpins for those franchises and like and I think that once they, you know, once unfortunately they, if they ever pass away, that like that's it. Like you can't, you know, especially for Scream, you cannot do a different fucking voice. Also, um, um, I can't think of it. Uh, who did the voice of Chucky? Brad Dorf. Yeah. Yeah. The, or at least that that iteration of of that franchise will be fine. Which We're, is still going. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I I respect that that show is still going and it's still consistent yeah. with like yeah. the, the same creator of Chucky has still been with the franchise. He wrote all the movies except for the remake, and he's behind the upcoming TV show. Yeah, like that character has been his creation, his story since the beginning. Okay, fair enough. The, and it um, works. Yeah. No, that's I'm not the biggest fan of the series, but hey, it's consistent and it's still going and it's being done by the same people, which is like, hey, I'm yep. fucking happy for you. Rock and roll, bro. All right. Uh, any final thoughts or have we pretty much all said what we have to say? I think we're, yeah, we're all said what we had to say. Eh, all right. Squirrels. So thank you for watching and listening to this episode of the Nightmares Podcast. Do you have a favorite horror performance? Let us know in the comments. You also... Also, you can watch all previous episodes and listen to all previous episodes of the Nightmares Podcast on this channel or wherever podcasts are available. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at Midwest Horror Network. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at Midwest Horror Network on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Slasher. And, of course, if you are watching this on YouTube, if you could be so awesome to stab that like button, smash that subscribe, and click that little dingy bell to be notified every time we drop amazing content right here on MHN. And then also, hey, if you've already uh, smashed the subscribe button, go ahead and smash the share button. That would be fantastic, too. We want to get the word out about this wonderful podcast and all the great stuff that we have on the channel. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on the Nightmares Podcast. Bye, guys.